0: Before you listen to this podcast, you can subscribe to The Critic magazine with the current offer of three issues for just £5. Head to our website www.thecritic.co.uk to subscribe today. Hello and welcome back to The Critic podcast. To combat the spread of COVID-19, the British government has restricted personal, social and economic behaviour on a scale unheard of in peacetime conditions. But has the basis upon which it has done so been legal? To discuss the entrepreneur Simon Dolan's legal challenge to the government's actions, John Jolliffe, a barrister specialising in government and public law, talks in this podcast to the Critics' political editor, Graeme Stewart, about what is at stake and the chances of Dolan's challenge succeeding.
1: John Jolliffe, the lockdown measures pursued by the government have been some of the most draconian in the last 300 years of British history, uh, what was the legal basis in which they were introduced?
2: The legal basis they were introduced on was uh, under uh, a public health statute. Um, What the government has um, done with these, uh, as you say, very invasive and draconian powers is to introduce them by a series of statutory instruments, um, which means they can be passed with... um, very little scrutiny from Parliament, um, which one may think, given that they are, they are um, some of the most um, draconian measures that could be conceived of, certainly the most draconian since the Second World War, perhaps might be said since the Civil War, and it might be thought that they should be subject to uh, more demanding and more... Um, to use a word often applied to Keir Starmer, more forensic scrutiny. However, um, the that is not happening in Parliament. Uh, they are being introduced by a statutory instrument which can be imposed under a power given to a minister.
1: Just to impact that, John, what, what actually is a statutory instrument? Uh, a statutory instrument
2: is what is called secondary legislation, whereas an act of Parliament is primary legislation. Uh, The the piece of primary legislation will give a minister or a a public body power to pass um, regulations, and they then do so. Once you've got the power from Parliament under the primary legislation, you can pass the secondary legislation, and assuming it complies with the power given, uh, that's it. Um, You're good to go. Um, So it's, um, it's a way of passing legislation that gives considerable discretion and freedom to, um, to the government uh, and doesn't require much or anything in the way of scrutiny from MPs asking uh, what the kind of awkward questions one would hope they'd ask. Uh,
1: but all of this was wrapped together in the Cor- Coronavirus 2020 Act back in March, which was d- debated in Parliament. Isn't that sufficient? You know, the Act has, has enabled these statutory instruments to, to be used? Um,
2: well, as a formal legal matter, that may be right, and that is something that the Court of Appeal will rule upon after the hearing in September. Um, however, the regulations have changed several times. I think um, the we're on about the 6th or 7th set now. And it's also worth bearing in mind that the Act was passed in March and it wasn't actually voted on until, uh, it wasn't actually debated in Parliament until after it had been passed. So the scrutiny that such as there was was after the fact and in a sense retrospective. And it seems to me that a couple of hours of parliamentary debate is pretty modest as a form of scrutiny compared to these regulations which mean it's, for example, a criminal offence to go into a shop without wearing a mask, um, that's a pretty significant invasion of civil liberties. And yet, um, politicians neither within Parliament nor outside it seem to wish to, um, to scrutinise and debate that and whether perhaps um, it is a proportionate means of achieving the public health objectives.
1: So, in essence, where politicians have failed to scrutinise, lawyers should do, that brings me to... Simon Dolan and the case for judicial review that he's bringing. He's arguing that these powers have been used uh, disproportionately and illegally. Uh, Before we get to the detail of his case, who is Simon Dolan and and who is is backing uh, his campaign?
2: That is a very good question. Um, Simon Dolan is not someone with, uh, he's not a politician or someone with a significant public profile. Um, He's a very successful businessman who um, has uh, made a lot of money initially as an accountant and then diversifying into other businesses. Um, He has uh, a business in the aviation sector, uh, which I would imagine has um, suffered significantly as a result of lockdown and uh, the restrictions on movement, Um, but he... um, and he is now someone who has taken some public stances, through um, which we can see on his Twitter account. Um, he seems to be a, a, what you might call a, a member of the libertarian right. Um, the slogan on his Twitter account is, keep Britain free. Uh, and he says that he wants to end the illegal lockdown and bring those responsible to account. Um but he's not someone with a, a political manifesto or uh, or someone who has really set out um, a positive agenda of his, his vision for the country. He may well not have one. Um, but he has performed um, uh, the task of, of trying to hold the government to account. Um, he has, by bringing uh, this challenge, uh, legal challenge, to... Um, uh, to the government's response to the virus. Um, he's funded that. He's got a QC and another barrister and uh, solicitors acting for him. He has funded their costs and the other costs of litigation through um, a crowd justice page, which enabled individual people to make uh, usually quite small contributions to an overall pot. Uh, I'm looking at the crowdfunder page now and it says that Lisa pledged £10 and Sebastian pledged £30 and someone else pledged £20. The grand total raised so far through contributions of that kind is about a quarter of a million pounds, £240,000 as we speak. Um, So he's someone who has managed to attract significant um, grassroots level support and contributions. And although... Uh, I understand that he you know, has a significant fortune personally. That isn't what he's using to fund this litigation. Uh, other people, in fact, are, are willing to contribute their own money.
1: I see. So, um, back in July, uh, his challenge for judicial review was, uh, was held. Uh, it, it was ruled uh, um, inadmissible by uh, Mr Justice Lewis, and we're now going through uh, an appeal process. Uh, r- was a review ordered by Lord Justice Hickenbottom. But can you unpack for us what the basis of the legal argument is that the government ha- has acted illegally?
2: Certainly. Um, there are
1: a number of different
2: strands to that. Um, uh, there was a, a fairly technical challenge uh, on the basis of whether or not um, the government had the correct legal power under the 1984 public health act um, there are um challenges based on the idea that the government has fettered its discretion which is a, a lawyer's technical term saying essentially that it has failed to have regard to um, relevant considerations then there's a broader um challenge as to whether or not the regulations made are in a sense, disproportionate, and whether there have been violations of particular human rights. Um, so um, the Article 8 right to private and family life has been um, in the uh, because, of course, these restrictions significantly interfere with one's ability to um, have relations with one's family. And also the rights to property and... Um, rights to education um so it's a pretty wide-ranging challenge and uh Dover and his lawyers have in a sense thrown the kitchen sink at um uh at the government's position i i, I don't think it uh, could be said of them that they've left any legal stone unturned um and i think the breadth of the challenge may possibly um be a reason that inhibits or or reduces its likelihood of succeeding. Um, The courts in this country like to say, sometimes it's rather more convincing than other times, that they are are apolitical, they don't decide on the rightness or wrongness of government actions. Um, And a challenge that's based on a sort of legal technical analysis rather than a broader this is disproportionate. You're approaching the problem in the wrong way. Uh, type of critique. I think the former is probably the more likely to succeed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. it I mean, it, it's an, it's to me very interesting. I mean, some of those broader uh, uh, applications you speak of, uh, the you know the right to family life and to education and so on. Uh, there is surely a danger that you know, were. Uh, Dolan's case to succeed, um, this would just encourage an enormous uh, judicial mission creep where uh, um, the law, instead of interpreting whether uh, Parliament has acted within the law, is actually starting to uh, intrude upon uh, whether politicians are, are making broadly proportionate decisions. And, and that's an intensely political aspect. Surely we don't want uh, judges becoming politicians and making uh, and ruling you know, on, 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 on the quality of a political decision rather than its legality. I, I, I think
2: that's right. I think um, it is certainly the tradition of this country uh, and its judges that uh, they, they hold back from overtly political questions. And I think there's some important context to what's going on with the judiciary at the moment that um, will make that concern even more pressing for the senior judiciary. Um, The government published about a fortnight ago a white paper looking into the scope of administrative law, which is the technical term for this area of of, of the law. Um, And in a sense, the government has, by doing that, parked its... Thanks on um, the judge's law um, because this review is, um, creates the possibility of a, um, an Act of Parliament to reduce the scope of judicial review and to reduce uh, the role of judges in cases of this type. Um, if uh, Mr. Dolan's claim succeeds before the Court of Appeal, then I think that will add very significant weight to. Government's argument that uh, or, or at least a potential argument that um, uh, the judiciary is politicized it is intervening in um, areas which are properly the, the function of the government rather than of the courts. Um, the difficulty with that, of course, is that in the coronavirus uh, crisis it could well be said that there has been a political failure as uh, there has been a failure of scrutiny. Notwithstanding that uh, Keir Starmer is regularly described as forensic, we've had very little sight of his forensic uh, abilities in challenging government. Um, so there has been a want of political scrutiny, and if you say that uh, invasive measures like these should be scrutinised, then there's not really very much, very many other places to go other than uh, to the courts.
1: I wonder whether um, Simon Dolan might win a narrow legal argument, which is to say uh, the wrong legislation has been applied. Uh, so he might win that. But surely then uh, the government, uh, you know, when Parliament is sitting, will, will then just pass a new act which, which, which does uh, tick that particular box. So, I mean, he, he might win a battle, but, but he'd, he'd lose the war. Um,
2: I think that's very likely. Um, I think even if he were to achieve some sort of substantive victory on one of the issues that he's claimed, there are lots of fairly straightforward ways by which the government can get around it, as you say, it can pass further legislation that um, remedies the legal problem. Um, I think from his point of view, uh, he might say that winning the case is only part of the ultimate objective here and that applying political pressure of a kind that may cause the government to uh, change its tack um, is part of his objective and it may be that he has to some extent or other achieved that. Um, Before this case got to the hearing for Mr. Justice Lewis at first instance, the government made its position clear in its uh, detailed legal argument, but in fact there had been no compulsory closure of schools. Uh, there, there, there was no um, government direction to that effect. Schools were simply invited to close. It wasn't a requirement. Uh, they hadn't been forced to. And that is a pretty surprising admission uh, in circumstances where Boris Johnson told everyone they, they had to stay at home. Um, but um, and I, I suspect Dolan's point of view it is tactical victories that throw light on holes in the government's rhetoric and holes in its position uh, those may be that, that may be what he would regard as um, a useful outcome of a litigation even if he doesn't achieve uh, over uh, an overall substantive win
1: so uh, in July mr Justice Lewis ruled uh, that really the case had become academic, and uh, it wasn't going to proceed, um, but uh, now it is a Court of Appeal matter. Uh, we're expecting it to return in the end of September. What What is the process from, from here, John?
2: The process from here is that there will be um, what's called a, a rolled-up hearing in late September or early October before the Court of Appeal. Um, the Court of Appeal hasn't... Um, rules that the claim has any legal merit yet um, what it has said is that it will hear it um, and it will determine the question of whether the claim is arguable and at the same time if it decides there is some arguable merit in the claim it will proceed to the um, to decide substantive questions um, from Damien's point of view the order in the Court of Appeal is useful, but it's not particularly encouraging. Justice Hickenbottom described the part of the challenge as ambitious, uh, which tends to be a judicial euphemism for um, exaggerated. Um, He also says that the judgment of Mr. Justice Lewis was impressive and cogent, and that it may well be found to have been correct. So I think um, there's a limit to how much encouragement do can take from this and i would be personally uh, i would be surprised if um his claim did succeed in front of the court of appeal um assuming as i do that it fails he could try to go to the supreme court that is the final court of appeal um it will take many months for any case to get on before the court before the supreme court um and the chance of it succeeding are um Well, We'll have to wait and see, but I would have thought they were fairly modest. Um, So I think um, the the date in the Court of Appeal in late September is going to be the end of the road for this litigation uh, one way or another. Um, And as I say, I don't think the the mood music from the Court of Appeal is all that encouraging, but they have said that it's an important case that's... um, it raises uh, very significant issues and that the, the uh, coronavirus regime imposes perhaps the most restrictive regime on the public life of persons and business ever, certainly outside times of war, uh, said the judge. So taking it seriously. They will listen to it. If I had to guess, I would say they'll grant permission but refuse the application um, substantively. Uh, I think we'll see um, a very strong and experienced Court of Appeal, and I think we'll see a very thorough, comprehensive, and probably very well-thought-through argument. I mean, Dolan's case is not um, uh, Dolan's case is not, is is Benham certain to win, and I think on on balance he probably won't. Um, But he has um, he has, at the very least, caused an argument. He has caused the recently retired Supreme Court judge Lord Sumption to remark in an interview that um, some laws one shouldn't feel obliged to obey, and these coronavirus restrictions are one example of that, he said recently when interviewed by Joshua Rosenberg. So the case, even, even though I think it will uh, not go any further and will not succeed, uh, has achieved a great deal and has thrown some much-needed focus um, on the government, uh, perhaps high-handed and perhaps misguided, Uh, management of this process.
1: Well, it's a fascinating case, both in detail and in broader principles. Uh, John Jolliffe, thank you very much for walking us through the process, and we will uh, await the further judgments in September and October with great interest. Thank you very much.
0: If you've enjoyed listening to The Critic Podcast, why not subscribe to have the magazine delivered to your door? Subscribe today with the offer of three issues for just £5 by heading to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk.